Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Isn't it good to be here this morning? If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to join me first in the Gospel according to Matthew. And uh, this morning's message will be a little different. We may jump around a little bit. That's all right with y'all. That okay with y'all? Yeah? Well, it's good to see all these faces in here, you know? I hope parking was okay. I know there's a little issue with that. We're going to keep working on that, so just thank you for your patience. I want to say uh, from the bottom of my heart, I don't want to make this about me, so I'm going to just say this quickly, uh, but thank you for all the calls and texts and, and visits and things that you guys have uh, done for me and my family in these last days. Man, it's been just a sweet time, uh, not necessarily since I fell off the ladder, you know, and I would encourage you to pay attention to ladder safety. You know, there's something that I've learned in this season. Um, but also just, you know, opportunities like these, you really find out about the love that people have for you, you know, and how they encourage and cheer you on. And especially, I'd have to say to my wife more than anyone else, um, having her dress me like a five-year-old uh, has been an awesome thing. We've laughed together and <laughs> we've cried together in these last days. And uh, some of you may be saying to yourself, and I've heard this a little bit, so man, you had surgery on Monday. Why are you preaching today? And, I, and here's my answer to that quickly. Then I'm going to move on. I played football, uh, second half of a lot of games with broken bones, and you think I'm going to stop doing what God has given me a passion to do with a, for a little, with a little bit of pain, so there ain't no way. I said, if I did that, if I could do that with no eternal value, uh, then I asked God, surely he could have helped me to preach today. So that's what we're going to do, all right? Uh, now, if, and, and no, you don't have to worry. I'm not on any pain medication, so uh, you'll be able to trust what I say today, all right? And so look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 1, okay? Matthew chapter 1. And again, I want to say I love you guys. It's so awesome to be a part of a faith family. If you're here and you're not part of a faith family, whether it be here or wherever it is that you live, I know some of you are out of, ta- out of town visiting with loved ones, make sure that you find a place that preaches the Bible. There are no, by the way, there are no perfect churches, so don't look for the perfect church. There are none. Um, but you come be a part of it because I'm telling you, you'll add benefit to the gathering, but the gathering will add benefit to your life. And it's so much different than just being at home. You have people to come alongside you and cheer you on when you get knocked down. And, and by the way, we do get knocked down. Sometimes we just fall down. And, uh, and so <laughs> we need people there to cheer us on and get us up. All right, so here we go, Matthew chapter 1. The title of our message this morning is God with us. And I've really been considering about what it means to have somebody with you. Uh, are y- y'all know what I'm saying? Like in the uh, hours of your life when you're experiencing things that are painfully, whether they're physically painful or emotionally painful, you're going through something and life gets hard. Have you ever been there? Anybody ever been there? You lost a loved one, you've been through some excruciating accident or, or a wreck, or, and when you found yourself there, uh, you didn't want everybody there, amen? Come on, y'all. You didn't want everybody there, but you wanted somebody there. And there are probably people in your life that are very close to you that, that you really wanted to be there in those times. And, 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 and at the same time, how many of you would say that you've been through something before in your life, and when you went through that something in your life, there was no one there? Anybody ever had that happen? And what a painful experience that is not to have somebody with you when you're going through something that is painful, again, whether it be emotional or physical, okay? So I want us to think about today the, the beauty of the name Emmanuel. Uh, which translates God with us. 
And the fact that God prophesied that he was going to have a virgin to birth his son and the name of his son, they would call him Emmanuel, which literally translates God with us. And so today, as you and I think about life with the mountaintops and valleys and all the things that we face, triumphs and everything in between, I would say to you that there's one key that changes everything, and that is God with us. It's the answer to every question you've ever longed for. It is, he is, this great truth is the answer for every struggle, every heartache, every longing of your heart, everything you and I have ever been through or ever will go through, the answer is found in this statement. God, help me out, with us. God with us. And so let's begin today uh, by reading, if we could, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and on down, okay? Let's read together verses 18 on down through about verse number, well, we'll go to the end, 25. That okay with you guys? Would you stand with me this morning in honor of reading God's Word? It's good to be able to stand up, isn't it? And those of you who can't stand up, thanks be to God that you can stand in your heart. Amen? Uh, and so I remember laying there on the ground at the school, laying at the bottom of that ladder, and I thought this male thought. How many males know the thought I'm talking about? I'm going to get myself up, go over to my truck, drive myself to the hospital. Well, I didn't. Okay, so here we go. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, y'all help me, of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of, there it is, the Holy Spirit." And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, help me all, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, let's say it together, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the blessed privilege of gathering as your people. And Lord, we know that it is this great truth that changed everything and is still changing everything. Thank you that though we didn't come looking for you, you came looking for us. So, Father, as I stand today in this frail, uh, fleshly body, would you empower me once again by your Holy Spirit, uh, God, to preach with the gift you've given me, um, Lord, with clarity and passion, nothing lacking. Uh, so, Lord, I'm trusting you once again to do it. Do it again, God. And, Lord, as you preach through me, would you also tune my heart and my ears and all of these who are within the sound of my voice, tune our ears to your still, small voice. And God, may we be in the midst of a busy season with all kind of plans unfolding rapidly. May we slow down right now and like a little child, pull our chair up to the table and have our daddy speak truth to us. Please speak from heaven. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen and amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Also, quickly, let me say this. As a reminder, this is on the pulpit. If you're one of our guests, if you'll notice on the chair back in front of you, and I know not everywhere, but most places, there's a little QR code. If you would, if you're our guest today, scan that so that we can have a little better record of of how we can minister to you, okay? We're not here just to say good morning. Uh, We want to be a part of your life, and so give us that opportunity to minister to you. So let's rewind, if we could, and go back to the beginning here of Matthew's gospel. And again, the main idea of our passage is God with us is everything, God with us is everything, okay? Now, for the sake of our time, I'm going to ask you to do something with me, okay? Uh, Two things. First of all, it's going to start with that same thing. Would you get your phone out for me just really quickly? All right, everybody who has a phone in the building, grab your phone. You're looking at me like, is he talking to me? Yes, if you have a phone. I am, in fact, talking to you. Would you get your phone out? I want to see it. I just want to look at it. I hadn't seen a phone in a while. Would you hold your phone up? Everybody hold your phone up. Okay, good. Now, will you do this for me? Put that thing on silent. Now, if you don't, I just made a big spectacle of you, okay? So put it on silent, and that way, as we're preaching through the Word, there'll be no uh, in small interruptions, okay? So if you will, put it on silent. But then also, if you're a part of social media, uh, we like to take over things that people say are evil when we realize they're really neutral, and we like to take over those and make them for the glory of God. So if you would share, if you're part of that, just simply share our Facebook page right now so that somebody out there who's maybe scrolling through, who's lonely, whose heart is hurting, who doesn't know where hope can be found, uh, your, your sharing would reach their heart. So would you do that for me? Be a missionary from your chair this morning, okay? Okay, now let's take just a moment and dive into this together. And I say just a moment because the good news is we don't have another group coming in behind us. So you took a, listen, you took a big risk coming this morning knowing we were only having one worship time. Amen, so you just stepped right out on faith and said, I'm going and we'll see what happens. So I want to share with you, if I could, about, I don't know, Three observations from the text this morning, if I could. And again, we're going to go some other places. So number one, in your notes, write this down for me, all right? Number one, this is something we're going to notice from Joseph's life, okay? And that is the mission, the mission has challenges. Would you write that down? The mission has challenges. Now, how many of you can remember where we started 2023? We started with a theme that God placed on my heart at the end of 2022, and we shared that at the beginning of the year, and we've shared it all throughout the year. And it was uh, three words. Do you remember what it was? Live the mission. Thank God. I said, boy, if they don't know it by now, we have failed. And so live the mission. And so as we conclude this year, and this year comes to an end, it's good for us to be reminded that we are, in fact, those who have put our hope and trust in Jesus are living a mission. And as we live the mission, one thing we need to know about it, because living in America makes us think that life's just supposed to be comfortable and easy, right? Everything's supposed to come easy, and his life is comfortable and safe. And, and yet we need to be reminded that the mission God has called us to is not always easy. As a matter of fact, uh, the mission he calls us to is full of challenges. If you already know that this morning, would you say amen? You, you've already figured that out, that, that life it, uh, poses challenges, and it does. And I want you to think about for a minute Joseph and how Joseph has lived his life, and he's, he's fallen in love with this young Mary, and he's, oh, he's enamored by her. Do you remember when you first fell in love? How many of you, how many of you can remember when you first fell in love? Raise your hand if you can remember when you first fell in love. Raise your hand. Isn't it an awesome thing? Man, won't you do some crazy junk when you, are, when you fall in love, huh? Drive all kind of miles, stay on the phone. Now, some of us in here are old enough to remember when the phones were attached to a cord attached to the wall, right? And you'd get as far as you could from that cord and sit on the phone all night, you know, because you were enamored. You were head over heels. And Joseph has, he's a real man living in a real time, and he's falling in love with a real girl. And her name is Mary. And man, they've got hopes, and they've got dreams, and they are in their culture something called betrothed, which is sort of like our engagement, but way more binding, if you will. It was viewed in culture in their day the same as if they had already said, I do. Does that make sense to you? They just hadn't had the ceremony to consummate it yet. 
And so he's uh, fallen in love with this young Mary, and, and he's in love with her. And I'm sure that when he's uh, riding around on his donkey, he's thinking about Mary and all the plans and the kids that they're going to have and, and where they're going to live and what they're going to do and, and how life is just going to be. You know how you are when you're young. Life's just going to be this wonderful journey, and everything's going to work out according to your plan, and you're going to have everything you need. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all a little older. Y'all realize that you're not smiling anymore. <laughs> and, and then... And then what happens as he's going about, he finds out that his wife is, in fact, pregnant. Now, they're not married yet. And so they've not consummated their marriage. Can I say that this morning? You nod your head and know what I'm talking about. We can move on. And so now he is looking at and thinking about this lady who he has left everything and wants to engage his life with from now on until they die. Uh, a covenant union. That's what marriage is between a man and a woman from the moment of uh, I do till the very last breath on earth. And that's what he's going, that's his heart's desire. Now he finds out that she's pregnant, and he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt the baby is not his. And so the Scripture says that we just read, said that he was a, a just man, a devout man, a man who loved the Lord, and so his desire was not to embarrass her publicly. He had in his heart already decided that he was going to, and it was the same as divorce. You understand, it was in the engagement time, it was in the betrothal, but it was the same as divorcing her. And so through much pain and anguish, see, some of you in here, you've been through that, and you know, and you can remember, and you can think about how painful the process was that led you to the place where you said, I'm done, I've got to get out of this for whatever the reason. And here he is. And he's a young man, and he, he, she's the woman of his dreams. And now he has decided that he's going to divorce or separate from her, and he's going to do it. He's such a good and just man. He's not going to do it publicly because, you know, sometimes when somebody's unfaithful to you, sometimes our human nature is to get retaliation. And we want to make them pay, and we want to embarrass them, and we want to make them pay for what they've done. And yet this was a just man. So he was going to quietly divorce or separate from her in such a way that she wouldn't face any extra embarrassment because of, well, in his mind, what she had done. Now, you understand when I say in his mind what she had done. Don't you know there are times when Joseph is going about his daily life and he's thinking to himself, I wonder what his name is. I wonder if it's somebody that I know. I wonder if it's one of my friends. I wonder if it's somebody that comes to my house. I wonder if it's somebody that I've helped before. And his mind is racing and his heart is hurting and he's getting ready to put her away. And can I just say that this was part of the mission that God had assigned to Joseph and you and I can agree this morning right off the bat that this mission is full of challenges. And Joseph is faced with a great challenge, okay? Now, I want to say to you that God has called you to a mission. You say, what is that mission? Well, if you're born again, that mission is to seek and save that which was lost. It is to share the gospel with people so they'll come to know Jesus, but also once they come to know Jesus, to make disciples of them, teaching them what he has already taught you. And that is the call of Christ. Now, you may have thought it was a call to pray a prayer. You missed it. Somebody didn't explain it to you. You've not spent time in your Bible. You've missed the whole call of Christ. And you thought, really, in your mind, you were convinced because somebody said that, just pray this prayer. And you felt like that was the answer to his call. But it was not, in fact, the answer to his call. His call in the Scripture was always two words. If you know what, say with me. Follow me. And you have to ask yourself, if I'm to follow Jesus, where is he going? And the answer is to a lost and dying world. He's reaching people like me and people like you in the ditches and the highways of life and calling them to salvation. So he's called us to do those same things. And so as we think about it, the mission is full of challenges. Challenges like, I'm an introvert. 
Challenges like, I don't know what to say. Challenges like, that's not my gifting. Challenges like, what will my friends say? Challenges like, what will my family think of me? It's full of challenges. If you take serious the mission that Christ has called me and you to do, I'm telling you, it will be full of all kind of challenges. Your own family will make fun of you. I preached about a year or two ago, I think it was two years ago, a message called the Sword of Christmas. I don't know if any of you remember that, but the point of it was that Jesus said, you, came, you think I came to bring peace? I bring peace like a sword. And he talked about how he'll divide families because when somebody says yes to Jesus, not yes to a prayer, they give their whole lives to him, and people don't love that. Really, people want you to give their lives to them. Husbands want wives to give their lives to them. Wives want husbands to give their lives to them. Children want mom and dad to give their lives to them. And Jesus said, give your life totally to me. And boy, that causes all kind of chaos. So life is full, or the mission, y'all say, well, the mission has challenges, okay? Let's read it in verse 18, 19, then we'll move on. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, so they're engaged. Before they came together, that, you understand what that means, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. His life had been challenged, hadn't it? His faith had been challenged. He's in a very difficult place, and I know that there are times in your life when your faith is challenged, and you find yourself in a difficult spot. And you know what? The chances are high in a group this size that people in this room today, right now, you're going through a season and you're trying to hang on with everything you can by, the th by a thread. You're hanging by a thread because you're trying to convince yourself that you really believe what you say you believe. I want to encourage you today. Take heart. Of course, the mission is full of challenges. Let me move on, okay? Number two in your notes, write this down, all right? And y'all listen so quick. We may get out of here a little early today. Number two, write this down. God will help. So we're just making pointed, straightforward statements. Did you notice that? In my preparation time, and I'm saying, Lord, you're going to have to help me keep this really, really simple so that I don't mess things up, having not been in the pulpit in a little while. Write these notes down. All right, write these words down. God will, just three short words, God will help. Now, how many of you would say that you're like being in some ways in that there are times in your life when you don't think you need help? Yeah? I shared with you a little bit a minute ago, I'm laying on the ground arms crushed and, you know, and ribs are, are, are banged, and I'm laying there on top of the ladder, and I first thought was, and I said, boy, isn't this our flesh? I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk over to my truck. I'm going to drive myself to the hospital. And, then, you know, it's in the days and, and, and uh, since then, looking back, thinking to myself how many times in my own life, not just physically, but spiritually going through something, that I said to myself, come on, you ever have a conversation with yourself? That I said to myself, come on, you can do this, big boy. Come on, man up, right? Uh, I, Jimmy and I say this sometimes, suck it up, buttercup, right? And let's go, you know, let's do this. And how oftentimes misery comes on the other end of not letting God help us in our time of need. You know, one of the main reasons that he came to us was, in fact, to be our help. Think about that for a minute. That he would be able to step into our weakness that we don't even know we have and help us with parenting, with marriage, with life, with emotions, with all the stuff that we face down here, that God would come to us for that purpose. So God will help. Let me read verse number 20. How did God help Joseph? All right, read with me verse number 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this is what the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, how did God help? God came and gave him information that changed everything. 
he said to him, Joseph, and by the way, you know that when you see an angel, uh, they're not like the little uh, Charmin commercials, you know, those little fat angels that are so cute, you want to put them in your pocket. And uh, you know what I'm talking about? They just, a little Cupid, they got a little bow and arrow, and you just, no, no. Every time somebody in the scripture saw an angel, they were terrified. And the angels would have to quickly tell them, don't be afraid, don't pass out, you know. We're here in peace, we came to help. And so uh, what's happened is this angel is speaking to Joseph, and he says to him, hey, listen, uh, don't be afraid. In other words, uh, what, is it, what would he be afraid of to, to take Mary as his wife? He's afraid that Mary's been unfaithful. He's afraid that Mary is someone who can't be trusted. He's afraid that if he attaches his life to her, she's already let him down, because who would really believe that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? And so for him, all he knows is that she is, and it's somebody else's baby. And so, listen, he, he's thought about the fear of attaching his life to her and what happens next down the road. And so the angel says, hey, listen, don't be afraid because it wasn't her. Or let me say it like this. Whoever it is that Joseph had pictured in his mind, it ain't him. It's the Holy Spirit of God who has conceived this child. This is God's baby boy. And so you can trust her and you can go on. And so God, can you imagine what a relief that must have been uh, and how convincing that must have been? Because I know a lot of dudes in here, if an angel would have said that, she'd say, yeah, but I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> but here it must have been very convincing, right? That the angel would say to him, and then Joseph, the scripture says, Joseph just gets up and does what he says do. And to commit your life to someone, because marriage is much more than you and I understand it to be in our day and time. To commit yourself to someone, a man and a woman, for the rest of the journey, for all of life. And by the way, young people in the room, don't let culture tell you. Don't let mom and dad tell you. Nobody can tell you what marriage is except for the one who gave it, and that is the living God. He says it's one man and one woman for all time. Now, I know, I know we messed that up. I get it. And there's grace to be found. But still, understand that God's intent is for you, if you're to be married, to be married to one man or to one woman for the rest of your journey. And I just want to encourage you that way today and help you to know the reason he came to us is because we foul things up, don't we? And in fact, we need help for the journey. So though the mission is filled with challenges, the second thing we said today is that God, y'all help me, God will, he'll help, he'll help. Now, the greatest obstacle, and you might want to jot this down somewhere, the greatest obstacle to God's help in my life is me. It's me. I'm going to get myself up. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to grin and bear it. I'm going to just tough it out. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And those lead to some very desolate places, some dry and thirsty lands, right? And so understand that you and I, are the greatest obstacle. At the same time, we're the only one, listen closely, we're the only one who can say to him, one of the greatest prayers will ever be prayed by mankind. You know what it is? It's two words. Help me. Help me. Maybe you've come in today and, man, you've got a lot on your plate. And you're burdened down. There's some stuff going on in your life, in your family's life. And your prayer, God brought you here today just to show you that your new prayer ought to be just simply two words over and over again in desperation. Help me. Help me and then be willing to receive the help that God offers. Now, I'm gonna give you a couple of verses to go along with this before we move on, all right? Write this verse down in your notes. John 16 and verse number seven. Write that in your notes quickly. John 16 and verse seven. Here's what Jesus said, talking to his disciples about the help that he was gonna give them when he went away. Nevertheless, he said to them, I tell you the truth. Nevertheless, why would he say that? Because he said your hearts are overwhelmed with sorrow. They were sad. And he said, you're sad because I told you I'm leaving. I'm going away. Uh, and you're sad. But he said, nevertheless, listen, uh, I tell you the truth. Y'all reading with me, John 16, 7? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, y'all help me, the, 
the helper. Oh, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will, oh, him, not it, not it. Somebody said, it, the Holy Spirit, it, no, the Holy Spirit, he. He says, I will send him, and I'll send him to you. I want you to think about Emmanuel, God with us. And now we have Jesus saying that this God the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when I in bodily form die on the cross and placed in the tomb, rise from the dead, 40 days, or walk the earth, on the 40th day, I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to then send my spirit to be your, here's the word, helper, to be your helper. And I'm afraid today that many of us, even in this room, I'm afraid that many of us have lived our lives without the help of God. And can I say this to you? Listen now. You ready? Take a deep breath. It's going to sting just a little, but hang on. It's like when the doctor pushes on the spots and you're like, hey, hey, wait, wait. Right? Here it is. It's evident in some of our lives that we've not let God help us. Can I say that to you again? Now, that's not, con that's not condemnation. That's not pointing a finger. I said we. It's evident in some of the areas of our lives. It's evident that we've not allowed God to help us. See, in this moment, Joseph did not have to let God help him. He could have said, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm gone. And his life would have been totally different. His story would have been totally different. But he allowed the help of this angel who told him to say, yes, I'm continuing with the mission. So I pray and encourage you to let God, here it is, you ready? Here's, what are you saying all that, preacher? I'm saying this, let God help you. Let him help you. One more verse and I'm gonna move on, okay? Uh, Matthew 28, now y'all, this is gonna be an unfamiliar verses to you. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. I, how'd you, I don't know how you guessed that, but you guessed that, all right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. The command of our Savior to his people before he left, okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all. So not just here or there, but everywhere. And you'll baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then that's not the end. Teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And listen, and lo, here it is. I am, oh, I want you to circle the two words with you in your Bible. I want you to write those two words with you. Write Matthew 20, 19, 20. I want you to write key words with you. See, with you eliminates every excuse. With you eliminates us saying, well, I'm not, and I don't have that gift, and I, and I, and I. Because according to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I died. And now I've surrendered my life, and it is the Holy Spirit of God who leads the charge. Okay, so uh, notice what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And by the way, if you're a you're guest today, I want to tell you something that I tell our people. Could I, would it be all right if I shared with you what I believe is the most prevalent sin of the church of 2023, I'll say the last, I don't know, 100, 200 years. Can I do that? That'd be all right with y'all? Some of you think it's pornography, and you'd look at statistics, and you'd say that probably the prevalent, uh, sin, most prevalent sin of the church would be pornography or alcoholism, right, right, getting drunk, or you, you might would say it is a, a divorce or adultery. You might say, because uh, I'm going to tell you something, these things are pretty prevalent, aren't they? in our culture and in our day. But I want to say to you that what I believe is the single greatest, most popular, prevalent sin of the church of today is the disobedience to make disciples. If I passed out a sheet today and, and ask you to leave your name off and write down the sin that you struggle with the greatest, there would be all over the map. There'd be anger. There'd be, there'd be all unforgiveness. There'd be all kind of things written and recorded, all kind of stuff. But if I said, based on the commands of Jesus, if you are not making disciples, I want you to write, I'm not making disciples. You know what will be the number one in the room? Anybody guess? Not making 
disciples. And so he says, I am with you. I'm going to give you power. Listen, the reason he came to us is so that we would live this mission and we would lean on him for the power to do it. Okay. Lo, I am with you. Somebody help me. Always, even to the end of the age. All right, I'm moving on. You ready for me to move on? Please, preacher, move on. We're trying to think about Merry Christmas, and you're telling us we're not making disciples, right? And I told you one day I'll stand before him all by myself, and I will not be able to say, I'll not have to answer for it. Well, they came that one time on Christmas, and I didn't tell them what you called them to do. And so they're innocent. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be held accountable for that. So that's the reason I'm telling you. All right, moving on. We said, one, the mission has challenges. Joseph facing a very difficult time, isn't he? But we said God will help. Right in the middle of that, God sent an angel to his dreams and said, hey, marry her. You can trust her. God's done. The Holy Spirit has brought this child. Number three, and there are only four. Huh? Some of y'all thinking about dinner already. Write this statement down. Again, it's short. Write this down. He came to us. He came to us. By the way, we didn't go to him. We didn't find him. Somebody said, I found the Lord. No, you didn't find him. He never was lost. He came to us. Yes, he did. And by the way, I don't know who else in the room besides me is thankful, but I'm so thankful that he came to us. He came to us. All right. Now, there are going to be, in just a minute, a list of four things, uh, if you could. And actually, this is, you're not going to believe this, because look into this one-handed outline. This is actually our last point. Can you believe that? So, this is actually going to have a list of four. So, get ready to write a list of four. Okay? Now, what do you mean? He came to us. I'm going to give you four, three reasons, and then number four will be to who he came all right? So just remember that as we go through this next section. Let's look back at the text for just a moment and read together verses 22 and 23, okay? Luke chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Are you there? Somebody amen? All right. And she will bring, I'm going to read 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Talk about a great revelation from this angel. Not just, hey, you know, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be okay. But, but to add to that, She's going to have the Savior of the world. Oh, okay. I'm in. Yeah. Let me be a part of that. And he, he says, for he will save his people from their sins. And we know that what it means to be saved from sin, friend, listen, is to be saved from the power of sin, which dominates us. We're not strong enough to defeat it on our own, and separates us. Did you know that sin separates us from God? And that's when someone says to you they're saved, that's what they're talking about. Jesus has saved us from our sins, the power of sin to dominate us, and the penalty of sin to separate us from God, okay? Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, I'm in verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He sent his son into the world to be with us. Now, what I want to talk about is three reasons why. If I was to ask you today, why did God come down to us? You might would say, to save us from our sins, right? But can I tell you it's a little bit deeper than that? Can I tell you, can I tell you there's a little bit more to the story? And what I'd like to do is to leave you with that so that maybe even in your gatherings the next few days when you're with family, you might say something like this. Hey, you know what I learned today? He didn't just come to save us from our sins, but he came for, and you'll be able to share with him these three reasons. So, number one, in this list of reasons why he came to us, number one, write this down. He came to us to show us what God is like, to show us what God is like. Do you know that we needed a picture? It's hard for us to understand when we're just getting words and we're only getting a part of the puzzle, right? Uh, any of you ever put together a puzzle and I had all the pieces? Doesn't that bless your heart and you get to the end of that thing and you spend time? That's why I don't fool with puzzles. 
Um, because I'm telling you, it just undoes me, right, to get to the end of that. And then, well, we can't find the, this piece. I would turn the house upside down. Uh, and so what happens oftentimes is that when we look at it from that aspect, we, 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 we understand that Jesus came to give us the full picture of God. So in the Old Testament, we see that God, and by the way, God is revealing himself all throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis, we learn that he's a God who likes relationship. How do you know? He created man. We know that he's a God who uh, intends holiness. Why? Because when they sinned and disobeyed, there was penalty. We learn about God, and, just, and we're talking about just in the book of Genesis. We learn that he's also a God who's willing to cover our sin, right? The animals died. He used the animal skins to cover their, uh, their bodies, and we see the first substitutionary death. And so we learn so much about God. We learn that God is gracious and merciful. In that, he said, let's put man out of the garden, because if he stays in the garden, he can eat of the tree of life, and he'll stay in this sin-sickened condition for eternity. So let's put him out so he'll be able to die. And through death and the death of the, my son Jesus, I'll be able to save them and reverse the curse. Wow, what a, what a story. What a story. So watch how this thing unfolds. He came so that you and I would know what he's like. In the Old Testament, there was a misunderstanding. They thought that God, listen, was just a judge and a lawgiver. They thought that he was uh, one who just gave out commands and then watched through a magnifying glass every one of our lives to see if we could keep them. And they believed that if they could keep them, that they were right. And that produced self-righteousness because they didn't understand the holiness of his law. No matter if it looked like they were keeping it on the outside, for instance, when he says, don't commit murder, a person would say in their heart, hey, I've never killed anybody, so I'm clean to that one. But then you understand God's interpretation is if I've ever harbored anger in my heart for another, that I have committed murder. And so man began to see God as this lawgiver. And so it caused man to think if they could live on the outside by the law, they were self-righteous. They were right because of their actions. But there was also this idea that God was this lawgiver who was, as soon as we stepped out of line, he was ready to punish and to destroy and so hence we have Jesus coming down to the earth. Let me just talk a little bit about that. As I say, he came to us to show us what God is really like. In John chapter 8, we find a scene where Jesus is at a place, and they bring a woman who's been caught in adultery. Now, by the Old Testament law, her fate was sealed. Caught in the act, her fate was sealed. Anybody know what the Levitical law said was the prescription for her sin? Stoned to death. They bring her in front of Jesus, who is the Word become flesh. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see the part of God who says he loves righteousness and holiness, but also we see now in the person of Jesus, watch what happens. They throw her on the ground. You remember the, you remember the scene? And she's embarrassed. She's terrified. She knows what the Old Covenant law says. She knows that what's coming next is a stoning publicly. And the ones with their stones are gathered around her. She's terrified. She's broken. And here sits Jesus. And they began to get ready to throw the stones. They say, Jesus, we're supposed to stone her. And Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing, whichever one of you has no sin in their life, you throw the first rock and we'll get this thing done. One by one, they drop their rocks and they go away. And when they do, it's just her and Jesus. And Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? And I'm certain that about this time, she's had her eyes closed the whole time, waiting to feel the pain of those rocks bouncing off of her face and head. I, I can just see her prying open one of those eyes and looking around thinking, huh? wow, they're gone. And she says to Jesus, there are none, Lord. And his response to her was, neither do I condemn you. So we begin, now hang on, I know there's more, some of y'all go, there's more to it, hang on. So we learn from Jesus 
the image of the invisible God, that God is not just a lawgiver and a judge with a lightning rod wanting to send people to hell, but we find that, in fact, he's a righteous, holy God with a righteous standard, but when we fail to meet it, he'll help meet it for us. How about that? And he says to her, he says to her, I'm not here to, I didn't come to condemn you. Matter of fact, the word says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. And then he says to her, so don't misunderstand. Then he says to her, go and sin no more. Now, don't misunderstand that Jesus is just a great big ball of love that says, do whatever you want to do. He's, uh, he showed us that God is the perfect balance of righteousness and wrath, forgiveness and punishment that all who will come to him can be made clean, but it's not a license to go and live how we want to live. Does that make sense to anybody? Say amen. All right, let me give you a verse and we'll move on. Colossians 1 and verse number 15. Colossians 1 and verse 15. He is Jesus, God with us, the image of the, is it on the overhead? Read it with me. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. So if we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus. So you may be asking yourself the question, so he came down to us to help us understand this is what God is like. What is God like? God is like holy, righteous, and just, but he would rather forgive than have to punish. I don't know about you, but this causes me to love him even greater. Knowing that, listen to me, knowing that every single one of us have broken his law, and what he would rather do to you and me is to forgive us than have to punish us. I can understand a little bit as a daddy. Anybody else? You remember, there have been times in your life when you had to punish your children, and you're like, man, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't like the, what, what happens next. I don't like having to take things. I don't like, I, don't, I don't like all that happens next. And as a loving, perfect father says, uh, I would rather punish my own son so that they can go and live. He came to us, I'm telling you, to show us what God is like. But then secondly, secondly, and there are just, there are just four of these. Secondly, he came to experience what we're like. You ever thought much about that? That God became a man, Emmanuel, no longer God above us, but now God with us. And so he, the God-man, Jesus, took himself uh, divine, holy, and righteous, and wrapped himself in human flesh. And so for the first time ever, God experienced, I want you to listen to what I have to say. I, I want you to know that for the first time ever, God knew what it was like to be tired. He, listen, in eternity, he never knew what it was like to be, oh, I'm out of breath, you know? Uh, he never knew what it was like to be thirsty and hungry. And so now he's wrapped himself in human flesh. And the word of God says in the book of John, again, John's gospel, and the fourth chapter, we find that. I'm going to read verse 6. Read it with me. Let me give you a picture of this. He came to show us what God is like, but he also came to experience what we are like. Listen to what, listen to what John 4, 6 says. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, y'all reading with me? I want you to read the verse in your head and tell me why he stopped at the well. He was what? One more time. He was. So you're telling me that God was tired. So God now knows what it's like when you feel like you've worked so many hours and you've tried to sustain the family. You've been working your fingers to the bone and you've been working and working and busy and stuff. He understands what it's like to be tired and weary from the journey of life. Boy, I don't know about you. But it would be very hard for me to relate to a God who's never been man before. Like if the story, if the truth of the gospel was that God never became a man, but he was calling me to know him, it would be hard for me to relate to him. It'd be hard for me to talk to him. It would be hard for me to ever go to him because I, I just believe in my heart I would have this attitude of you just don't know what it's like. 
You don't know what it's like down here. You don't know what it's like in this mess. You don't know what it's like to be limited. You don't know what it's like to be. And yet he does. And so we know that he came to show us what God is like, but he came to experience what we're like. Now, how many of you would say you're, you're thankful that Jesus knows what it's like to be human? Amen. Isn't that good? Boy, I love to think about the fact that he understands what it's like to be human. So he stopped there wearied from the journey. Now, remember that he was also, and I never, never mess this up. He was never just man and never just God. Are you with me? He was the God man. Now, what happened at that well, the John chapter, chapter four, what happened there? Well, she comes thirsty and he tells her, he offers her some water that if she'll take a drink, her soul will never thirst again. And so never misunderstand. Okay. Don't get it skewed. He's not just a man. He also was God. And he was the answer for that woman at the well, but he stopped there because in his man, in his humanity, he was tired from the journey. If you're tired from the journey, listen, there's a Savior who understands. And he came to us. We didn't go looking for him. He came to us. Okay, I'm trying to move on. Let me give you another verse, okay? Then I'm going to move on. Just a little more support in that. Philippians 2, 6, and 7. Listen to this. This is Jesus becoming man, equal to God, becoming as a man. He didn't consider himself to be robbed, Listen to what it says. Who being in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but instead made himself of no reputation, taking the form of not just a, a human, but a bondservant, and coming in, help me somebody, the likeness of man. When you, when you sing Merry, Merry Christmas, when you sing Noel, and how, when you're thinking about opening gifts and spending time with your family, I wish you'd think for just a minute about the fact that God came down to us in the likeness of man to experience what we're like. And remember this one great truth. He lived it perfectly. Did you know the Bible says he was, point, he was in all points tempted like we are? And yet he lived it all the way to the finish line without ever committing sin. What an amazing Savior you and I have. All right, let me move on. Number three. Come on, we're almost there. Y'all with me? Everybody okay? I'm not, all right, there we go. Let's finish this thing strong. He came to die for our sins that he might be with us, listen, always. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me, let me say to that, God still with us us. And for those of us in the room who've been born again, and by the way, I can't tell because y'all look good, man. You got your Christmas colors on so much red and green in the room. I'm telling you right now, y'all see from up here, it's red and green all over the room. But let me say to you this, what you can't tell by looking at someone is the condition of their heart. And so to me, I'd say, man, it's a room full of beautiful people, man. All different shades, skin tones, all different heights and weights, man, beautiful people, beautiful. But in the eyes of God, there's some in here that stick out like a sore thumb. I can't see you. But one thing you can never do is, is to mask your heart condition from God. You know, the Word of God says that we're all uh, laid open, naked and bare before the Lord. Now, he's not talking about our physical bodies. He's talking about what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And let me say it this way, who we really are. And in this room, as I look around and see a bunch of beautiful people, God sees some that are saved and some that are lost. He sees some that are his children, some that aren't. He sees some that are heaven-bound. He's helping us along the way, and he sees some that he wish were. But he knows. He's not confused. You've not fooled him. He's not up there trying to say, well, now I'm not sure about that one. He knows for certain. So as we think about him coming down to us, experiencing our humanity, and yet doing it perfectly, know that there's one who died so that he could save us. Let me give you a verse. Here it is, Colossians 1 and 27. Colossians 1 and 27. To them, now listen to this. God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This mystery that causes us to say Merry Christmas. 
Now, you guys know I like to do that to people like in August because they'll look at you like you lost your mind, you know. And I can say, no, 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 the message is the same year round. It's Merry Christmas. You know why? Because he came to die for our sins that he would be with us always. Uh, let me give you, or so let me finish. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. There's, there's a mystery here since the Old Testament, and the riches of it is so rich, so many treasures that come with it. Uh, here's, here's what it is. Read with me. Which is, here's the, here's the whole mystery, which is Christ, oh, there it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so now we understand that he came down to us to show us what he's like, to experience what we're like, but ultimately that he wouldn't just be God with us, he would be God with us, inside of us, and always. Isn't that good news? To know that wherever you go, he goes, that you'll never find yourself in a place where you're totally lonely if you've given your heart and life to Jesus. He said, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be in them. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of a, of, a, of a passage in Scripture in John 14 when Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you've seen this in John 14, about verse number 16, 17. He said, that you've seen the Holy Spirit operating around you. He was talking to his disciples. He said, but he will be in you. My friend, let me say this to you in closing. There is a monumental difference between having the Holy Spirit operating out here and you see him operating and you understand, maybe you know there's some supernatural stuff going on, and to have the Holy Spirit operating inside of here. And I wish to God that those of us who have experienced that could write it out and help you explain it, because if we could, the altar would be full of people today being saved. But it's a mystery and it's hidden. And what he's saying is that by Jesus Christ coming down to the earth, dying on the cross as the payment for our sin, rising from the dead, victorious over the grave. Now the opportunity exists, listen closely, for every single man, woman, boy, and girl to be part of the kingdom of God, to have your sins forgiven, to be a child of God because of what he has done for us. And so today I pray that you'd consider that and you'd think about what it means to have Christ on the inside by the presence of his spirit. And then finally, I'm going to close in Luke chapter 2. Would you turn with me there into your, in, in your Bible? Luke chapter 2. So y'all hang with me now. We're going to read 8 through 11, and we're going to close. Can you make it that long? Let me look at your faces. Y'all look good. I don't see many of y'all, just about seven sleeping. I'm not going to call any names. I know it's been a long weekend already, and that's okay, all right? Uh, so finally, number four, we're talking about reasons, right, that he came to us. What were they? Y'all tell somebody at Christmas dinner. He came to us to show us what God is like. He came to experience what we're like. And he came to die for our sins so that he could be with us always. I don't understand why God wanted to be with me always. Can you, can anybody else? Like I tell people all the time, I'm stuck with me. I can't get away from me. I'm leaving my keys. I'm falling off ladders. I'm doing all kind of crazy junk all the time, you know? And I can't take a break. I can't take 10 minutes and say, now you stay here. I'm going over there. I'm stuck with me. But here's the crazy thing. God desires me always even when I do stupid stuff, even when I forget stuff, even when I'm less than what I need to be, he still desires, hey, can I turn the mirror on you for a minute? He still desires you. Even, though, even when you do stupid stuff, even when you don't measure up, he desires more of you, not just here and there you. He desires, listen to me, he desires relationship with you. He made a way for him to get inside you. That's the hope of glory. I pray today you wouldn't leave without him. Finally, number four, Luke chapter two, verses eight through 11. I'm gonna read, is that okay? Good, here we go. Now, they were in the same country, and you just remain seated, that'd be all right? 
All right, now they're in the same country of shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were greatly, here it is, afraid. They were afraid. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, great joy, which will be, I love this, which will be to all people. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. Number four, okay, as we're talking about he came to us, number four, write this down. He came to all of us. Would you write that down? He came to all of us. He came to those of us who have spent portions of our life drunk and foolish, high and intoxicated. He came for those of us who have been promiscuous. He came for those of us who have cheated in our businesses and cheated on people and betrayed others. He came to those of us, he came for those of us who have had abortions and committed adultery. He came for us who have violated the law of God and holding love conditionally in our hearts. He came to all, aren't you? Listen, I wish somebody would pick up what I'm putting down this morning. I'm trying not to get too fired up because this heartbeat gets in my wrist. And so I'm trying not to do that. But listen to me. Listen, when I tell you this now, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. To know that, to know that he came for somebody like me sets a fire in my heart that I can look at any person on planet Earth and say he came for you. If he came for me, I promise he came for you. And someone asked me one time, why do you think God picks people like you? And I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, who had a bad, terrible past? I'm like, hang on, hang on. And I said, here's the answer, because we're all he has to choose from. It's all of us. We've, we've all failed. We've all dropped the ball. We've all missed the mark. And he came for us because he desires us. And he came to all of us. I don't, listen, no matter where you are today, I want you to understand something. The message of hope in Jesus Christ is for you. It's for you. Let me finish what he says here to these shepherds. But there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. I want to just stop right there and say this in conclusion. Imagine, if you would, receiving an announcement. Any of you ever received an announcement for maybe a wedding shower in the mail? Have you raised your hand if you ever received in the mail an announcement for a wedding shower or a save the date? Hold them up high so I can know out of the percentage of people. You've received some kind of announcement or invitation in the mail. Raise your hand up high, high as you can. Isn't it crazy, I guess all of, most all of us, isn't it crazy like the details in those things now? You'll pull out four pieces of paper before you get to the thing, you know? There's a cover page, a wax cover page, a cover page of the cover page, you know, and you get all this stuff, piece of lace, you're pulling that out, you're like, what in the world? And you get something that's dipped in wax and covered in gold, and you know, and you get all, it's amazing the money spent and the intricacies of announcements, and yet God chose for the Son of God to be announced to a group of lowly shepherds who were seen by those even in the temple as unclean. But not just in the temple, in society they were outcasts. It would be a lot like what we in modern day times view as the construction workers, you know, they get out and kind of talk about things they shouldn't and kind of rough and joke about things they shouldn't, of which I used to be. And of all the people on planet earth and of all the ways he came to us and he came to a specific group, and I believe with all my heart is to show me and you, he came for all of us. He came for all of us. Maybe this year slipped by you and you've not really lived for him. And you think that because of that, or for one reason or another, you're just here on Christmas, and you know, just, and I pray unto God that this will be a turning point in your life. And then you'd be reminded that God loved you so much that He came for you. And He came for all of you. And He came for all of us. And so this morning, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me for just a moment. Would you do that with me? Just for a moment, I'm just going to invite you to bow your head, okay? 
And I'm going to ask as we bow our heads together, if I could have those people that are going to help me at the altar to come down the altar. Now, y'all understand this morning, if I don't come down the altar, I'm afraid of hugs today. But here's what I want you to do in the stillness of this moment. All right, I want you just to settle in for just a second. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit of God, what is it that you're supposed to do with what you've heard? How are you supposed to respond to the news that you've heard that have touched, just touched your heart, hit your ears, and, and spoken to your heart? How are you supposed to respond? Now, remember, the main idea of today's message is God with, is with us in is everything. It's, every, it's the answer for everything. Maybe you've been trying to work more and have more and do more. And just what you needed to hear today is that God with you is everything. So I pray that you begin to practice that. That if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, can I tell you there's no better time than right now. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask a question, okay? I wonder if there's a brother or sister in the house that would be willing to get out of your chair, whether you're in the far outside neighborhoods or the middle neighborhoods, and come to this altar and just begin to pray for lost souls. I know there's some in this room. I know for certain. Anybody would be stirred by the Holy Spirit to come and pray. I just want you to come to the altar and pray, God, would you touch someone's heart? Would you call them to salvation? Lord, would you, this Christmas, greatest thing that could ever happen is somebody in this room to be born again. So as the people of God are coming to the altar, just began to pray. We all pray with one accord from the oldest to the youngest. We got young people up here, husbands and wives, children. We all pray, prayer warriors, pray this with me, please. Pray, God, there's a lost soul in here today. Would you capture their heart today? Now you say capture their heart? Yes, listen. He's the only one that can capture a heart and set it free. Only Jesus can do that. So would you pray? Maybe it's a loved one that came with you that you're not sure about their salvation. Would you pray right now with all your might? You're not certain by the fruit of their life because Jesus said, make the tree good by its fruit or bad. Whatever the fruit on the tree is is really what the tree is. So maybe today you just come to the altar and pray for that loved one. You just call their name out to God. Lord, today, let what you've heard about God with us, God with us, not God angry with us, not God against us, but God with us. And today the message of hope would touch their heart and and right now, you would, God would grant them repentance. Now, listen, the first step of salvation is what we call repentance. What does that mean? It's a changing of the mind. It's an evaluation in my mind of where I am and who I am and a conclusion that I'm not enough. And it leads to a turn that says, Lord Jesus, I've been Lord of my life. I don't want to be Lord of my life. I want you, Jesus, to come and be Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. Because of that great love display, I'm turning my life over to you. You can do it right where you're seated. Do you know that? You can say something like this, Lord Jesus, save me. Come and be Lord. We're praying for you right now. We pray that you do that. There are people waiting at the altar. If you'd like to come ask them some questions about that, they're waiting for you. Just get up out of your chair and come on down. Say, hey, today I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Or today I have. Maybe you're here and you've drifted far from the heart of God. And as these are praying for salvation, we're also praying for return. That if you've been distant with God, it's not too late. He's not angry with you. Come home. Come home. Be reminded, God with us. He's with you and for you. Maybe you're here and you've been walking close with him. I pray that you've heard today God encourage you and lift you up and remind you you're his child. He's pleased with you because he's pleased with Jesus' death and resurrection. All this season, this special season, would you respond to whatever it is he's calling you to do?
Just a minute, we're going to stand to our feet. Matter of fact, could we go ahead and stand together? Would you do that with me? Just to make possible in case someone needs to come with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you feel led of the Spirit, you just slip out of your aisle and come down and have one of these to pray for you. As we pray now, could we also pray toward our worship service tonight? Don't forget five o'clock. I pray that this place would be so full. We had to get more chairs out there. We still got more room. But this morning, whatever the Spirit is doing, don't rush. Don't rush. Respond. Father, we pray now in Jesus' name that those in this room would respond by faith and surrender their life to you. Now, church, I want to talk to you for a minute, okay? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, people are coming to the altar right now. You come. I want to ask this question of the crowd with heads bowed and eyes closed. All right, here it is. I'm going to say, if you're here today and you feel the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to salvation, and today you're making certain, you don't have to come. I'm not going to come find you. It's too big a room, and I'm not, I can't do it anyway. But I just want to know how to pray. If you're in this room today and you, and you believe that maybe truly for the first time you've surrendered your life and invited Jesus to be Lord, would you slip your hand up and right back down? Just hold it up for a second. This is a huge room now. Would you just slip your hand up? I see you there. Any others? Just slip your hand up. Hold it up because it's a really big room for me to look around. I see you there. Any others? Just slip your hand up. Just know that I'm praying for you. And if you feel led, you come down and share with us so that we can pray for you as well. Father, please have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.